The debt ceiling and the budget need to be passed this month. It's sort of a live or die situation when it comes to budget talks in uh, the House and in the Senate. Uh, so right now in our lives, Congress is more important to the survival of the country than ever before. I'm Clay Aiken. And this week, Politicon is excited to welcome a congressional candidate, uh, another congressional candidate this week, this time the challenger from New Jersey's 9th District, Republican Billy Primpa. He's here to talk about winning in a district that has a history of voting for the other party, how he plans to get independents involved, what it takes to run a winning campaign, and whether or not he'll be able to pull it off in a historically very blue district in a quite blue state. And whether it's in the halls of Congress or in our neighborhoods, when both sides are always at each other's throats, how the heck are we going to get along? Well, welcome. Thank, thank you, you for, for having do- me. Thank you for doing this. No, I'm, I'm fascinated because you are doing something that I don't know that I had the gumption to do myself. Um, <laughs> and so I'm fascinated to, to find out why and what your, what your plans are. And your, I mean, I'm just interested in anybody who's gone through the congressional race process, been there, done that, um, and then wants to do it again. <laughs> that I couldn't yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what? What about the last time you ran in twenty uh, twenty um, in a very blue district? Uh, I ran in twenty fourteen in a very red district, um, and yeah, not the not the easiest thing to do. I know from experience. So, so what made you passionate about it enough that you wanted to jump back in and go for it again? Well, last year when I ran, well, actually, before we even get into that, um, there's a myth going around that the district is deep blue. That's not necessarily true. Um, When you look at the numbers or you see it from an outside perspective, you'd say, yeah, sure, this place is deeply blue. There's more Democrats than there are Republicans. This is a fact. Um, The last time I checked, there were about 200,000 registered Democrats, um, about 79, almost 80,000 registered Republicans. But there's about 190 unaffiliated voters in this district. So the truth is... is is that the Republican Party, in my opinion, has been lacking with trying to reach out to the unaffiliated voters and even the Democrats and giving an alternative perspective. So all we see is blue. All they've dealt with is blue. And I believe a lot of that falls on uh, the leadership that the GOP has had for the past couple of years. There's also a lot of other political reasons. Um, The quote-unquote Republican leaders in this district tend to work hand-in-hand with my Democrat opponent. So there's very specific reasons as to why the numbers appear the way that they do. Um, I learned all this towards the end of my first run in 2020. But when I ran, I I got more votes than any Republicans gotten in the past 30 years. So this was a seven-month campaign. We did this with little to no funding. Um, We were about 12 people that were on the team that did this. And we ran harder than we could, even in the middle of a pandemic. And we were able to. I I give you credit for that. Yes, you you did better than any Democrat has done, including, um, uh, sorry, than any Republican Republican. has done um, in that district. As far back as I could look, um, you came in several points ahead of every Republican who's run um, and and did so in a year, by the way, that um, Democrats won, um, the the president, uh, Joe Biden won. So, So, I mean, there must be something to be said for the fact that you were able to get more votes as a Republican in that year. But 
you know, have you not found, because I used to use the same, I always said the same talking points when I was running, too. I said, oh, well, yes, it's always been, it's Republican because these numbers are higher, and yes, we have higher registration, but take a look at the unaffiliateds. And I used that same talking point, but realized when I was on the ground and being honest with myself, those unaffiliateds aren't unaffiliated because they don't necessarily identify more with one party. They're unaffiliated because perhaps they don't think that party they normally identify has gone far enough to the left, in my case, or far enough to the right in, um, in, in other cases. So do you really think those unaffiliated voters in the 9th District of New Jersey are independents who haven't decided, or do you think they just haven't registered? I don't even think it's that. I think they're completely checked out. Um, last year in 2020, when we ran, there were um, 75,000 unaffiliated. I mean, there were 75,000 registered Republicans. And um, when you look at the numbers statistically, the most that any Republicans ever gotten was 65,000. Um, so when I saw that, and I saw an average. 65,000 other people that's coming out, I knew the cities that they were coming from. And my strategy was, listen, we're going to focus solely on unaffiliated voters. The Republicans are going to come out. Historically, they're going to come out. Um, so we focused our campaign on talking to people who've either never voted or never decided to come out. Because And when I speak to most of them, a lot of them have been shocked, especially in Patterson, in my city. Uh, it's the third largest city in, in New Jersey. It's, an, it's large inner city as well, too. Most of them are shocked to actually meet a Republican for the very first time, let alone a Republican that looks like like me. Um, so a lot of them came out and were, were open to hearing new ideas because all they've heard were the same ideas. And typically they just stay home and just don't get involved. So, so how do you get them to listen to you out. if you can't knock on 750,000 doors? Because, you know, I used to say the same thing. If I could get in front of 750,000 people, I could get them to vote for me, but I can't. And you probably won't be able to either. So how do you get them to pay attention? I mean, isn't that a challenge um, in a district where so many funders... You know, you got to raise money. So many people are hesitant to give money because they don't know yes. that it's viable. Yeah, so so here's what we did. Our strategy was we, we kind of went for a more of a guerrilla marketing type of approach. Um, since it was COVID and there were a lot of people in the homes, we focused our strategy on social media marketing. I have a lot of extensive knowledge on running advertisements on social media for many years. And we ran we targeted campaigns to specific demographics on Instagram, social, uh, Facebook, and, um, and YouTube. And we also did a lot of campaigns on television for most of the elderly people that are not coming out. Um, we were able to to get our ads on television, especially um, where there was the highest unaffiliated turnout in Patterson. We, we were able to have our commercial showing um, every hour for 16 hours a day. And we also did lots of small events and even large events, cleanups. And we were... Our, our, our strategy was since we're not going to be able to knock so many doors and people were a little bit reluctant because of the COVID situation, throwing events and getting our face in as many places as possible um, proved effective. So that's how we were able to go about doing okay, that. Okay, right. So it did prove effective. And listen, I, I, I don't know what you've heard coming in. I admit I'm a progressive. I admit to being a Democrat. You knew that as you came on the show. Yeah, I kind of figured but, that. Right, right. Um, the hair gave it away. <laughs> I go to Kirsten <laughs> Cinema's hairdresser. Um, <laughs> but but, um, but the whole premise of this show is to get people from opposite sides to talk to each other. And that's why I have been excited about being able to talk to you because I have lots of Republican friends. And I don't think Republicans are bad people by any stretch. I just happen to disagree with a lot of things that the Republican Party says. And I think we need to lay down our swords and talk more. So. I if I come for you at any point, it's not because I'm trying to give you shit. It's because I'm 
just really curious. So when you say it was effective, I guess my my question to you is, it was effective in the sense that it was more effective than Republicans have been in the past, but it still fell 15 points short of, of a threshold where you could could win. So what are you going to do differently this time in well, New Jersey? There's, several, there's also several things you got to take into account. The incumbent that I'm running against has been there for 24 years. Even before that, he was mayor of my city for about eight years. And then before that, he was an assemblyman. Before that, he was on the board of education. Right. So, And I know nothing has, about him at all. And I listen to your uh, ads no and I'll be the first to say... Yeah, I think that you've got a strong point, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat who's an incumbent, if they've been in power um, or in a position of power for that long and the situation has not improved for the people of that district, which you talk about in your ad, how crime is still um, rampant in the Patterson area, how the you know value, uh, quality of life has not improved in all the years that he's been in office. That's a really strong argument, but it must not be strong enough, right? So what can you do that's different, even though he's been there for 24 years since the mid-90s in that seat? What can you do that's different to get people to pay attention to it if they've not cared yet? Well, it's it's deeper than that. It's like you, one of the one of the biggest issues is overcoming the name recognition. That's hands down the biggest issue. Um, the people that we've met, they voted for him only because their their brother voted for him, their uncle voted for him, their old their elder person and their family voted for him. You think people know who their congressman is? In this area, yes. Really? In this area, yes. My congressman yes, here in this area, I'm in North Carolina, my congressman has actually been in the House since 1983, so even wow. longer than your guy. And I'm willing to guarantee you if I walk down my street, less than 50% of the people would know who David Price is. So I'm impressed that that many people know who he is there. The only reason, the only reason why is because he's, he's been deeply involved in this city, for, for, especially, especially here in Patterson. The reason why a lot of the emphasis is on Patterson is because uh, Patterson makes up 35% of the entire voting block in the district. Um, next would be Passaic, which makes up an additional 15. So between those two cities. But those folks haven't thought to get they didn't think to get him out last time it, even if well, you even if your arguments are valid and resonate with them it wasn't enough to make them say you know what you're right let's get rid of his ass i mean well to be fair like like i stated before the republican party has deliberately ran weak candidates against bill pascrell the chairman of the Passaic county republican organization for example is related to bill pascrell so they would put people up to deliberately lose against them the bergen county chairman has insurance deals with bill pascrell so they run people who are not going to run strong and effective campaigns and every republican that's ran before me never ever ever targeted patterson they always stayed away from patterson they stayed away from Passaic, and they worked on the outskirts in the suburbs but the truth is until you actually go into the city and you flip voters you're never actually going to beat this guy i'm the only person that's actually done that and that's why we're able to make such a significant dent in only seven months so we're starting off early and we're coming with a completely different message he would avoid debates he doesn't want to talk to me he'll talk about you know he supports black people and all this yet all of his policies well have he done doesn't want to talk to you because he, he likes his name recognition and he doesn't want anybody to know yours right no i don't think it's that <laughs> no, at all it's that's like what it is, trust me, as a Democrat, I wouldn't want to debate you either if people knew my name, but they didn't know yours. God forbid so I'd give you airtime. Right? That, 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 actually, that actually worked negatively in his favor because while I approached I, while I approached and I had ideas, 
and I had policies that I brought to the table. The only thing this guy could talk about was January 6th and Donald Trump. That's literally all he spoke about. People knew, even Democrats would come to me and say, listen, why is this guy not, why doesn't he want to debate you? Democrats would call his office and say, hey, there's this young guy, he's 30 years old, you're 84 years old, you have all this experience, debate this guy, this kid's getting traction, he's got some pretty great ideas, we want to hear what he's about, and he's like, oh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to talk with that guy. All of my previous, all of the previous candidates that ran against him, he debated them. But these candidates were all weak. They didn't really have strong positions. They didn't really have plans or a platform. He doesn't want to talk about things like, he doesn't want to talk about ending, ending lobbying, for example. His son is a, is a multimillionaire lobbyist in the district. He goes out into Washington, D.C. and lobbies on his behalf. And I know this, right? He doesn't want to talk about those kinds of things because he benefits. He doesn't want to talk about bringing businesses into the inner cities and having them take control of the derelict cities and bringing manufacturing back to places like Patterson. He doesn't want to talk about apprenticeship programs and putting that inside of our schools so that while our high schoolers are learning, by the time they graduate, they have skills that they can fall back on. He doesn't want to talk about this because the teachers unions back him, they fund his pockets, and he doesn't have any solutions. He goes around and he buys people off, he gives people jobs, and he gives them reasons to vote for him, but he actually has no policies. Well, listen, that's, the- that's a, those are two very different uh, accusations to throw around, one being, you know, Incredibly well, these inflammatory. Are facts. Well, but but the buying people off thing—you've kind of got to have receipts if you want to be able to. If you're gonna, oh, I've got receipts. That. I've absolutely, I've absolutely got receipts. I've 100% got receipts, and this is not a this is not a hidden secret. Like lots and lots and lots of people in this district know this. So if so if so, let's assume let's set aside his detraction detractors and the things that that make him an not an ideal congressman, and tell me what would make you one for that area, what ideas do you think could both be effectively conservative to satisfy Republicans and also effectively um, aisle crossing, if so, if, if that's if that's the right word, to satisfy a, a district that has for the last several decades trended towards Democrats regardless. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to, I mean, I think you would, would admit that if, if you are to be able to win, you would have to be able to pick up people who have voted Democrat for at least several cycles and get them to switch their votes to a Republican. How do you do that when so many people just vote for the party nowadays? Don't you think that's the case? Um, I don't even think it's necessarily that people vote for the party. People vote for what they know um, rather than voting for what they don't know. Um, like I said, people know this man. They've heard his name. And, hey, he's just another vote down the ballot. The average Democrat that I speak with doesn't even like this guy. But they vote for him because he's their guy and he's who they know. But uh, do they vote goes- for him because he's their guy as in he's the Democrat's guy? Or do they vote for him because – I mean I, I feel like t- – don't the, you feel like today that- people vote – all over. I mean, you look at the way congressional districts are drawn throughout the country, and there are very few seats that are drawn in a way that make the district competitive. I think New Jersey has one district um, that is even closely competitive. North Carolina has zero districts that are competitive. A lot of states have no competitive districts. So is it not, don't you think that people simply vote for the party that they feel like they agree with the most on? 
to some degree, yes, but even the policies that he stands for, the Democrats in this area, they, they don't necessarily support. Like what? Um, like, I, like I said, like I said, they run weak candidates that he could absolutely What's an be. example of something that he supports that the folks in your area you don't think support? Okay, so he supports defunding the police, right? In Patterson, New Jersey, even though they've painted Black Lives Matter right in the front of the street, the average person, I'd say more than the average person in Patterson, does not support defunding when the police. When you say defund the police, what do you mean? Because, I mean, it's, it's a, that's, a, that's a term that I hate also as a Democrat, and uh, there, there's certainly divisions within the Democrat Party, and, and the majority of them, including the president, have said, defunding the police, we don't want to do, it's not going to happen. James Carville has a show, another Politicon yeah. podcast, and he's straight up said, it's not going to fucking happen. Um, so does he actually support that, or is it, is it fair to lump him in and say that he wants to take money away from policing streets? Yes, because he does support that. Um, when, when, when I ran in 2020, I'm a very pro-police candidate. What did he I, I say believe that supports law. that? Well, he said that, that there's too much funding going to police, and we need to take that money and allocate it to mental health programs. And I said, well, all that sounds great. And my counter was, well, all that sounds great. A mental health counselor is not going to be able to stop someone in their boxes with two machetes in the middle of the street. All right? That's just not going to happen. You know, We need police officers for very specific reasons. I believe that police officers need training. We need to incentivize our police officers to, uh, to, um, to access a higher level of training. If someone wants to learn about psychology, you learn about de-escalation tactics. Incentivize them to do it if they want to learn about de-escalation, or do you think it should yes. be mandatory? You don't think it should be mandatory? No, it's, no, it's no, 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 no. I'm talking about outside. I'm talking about outside of mandatory training. Like if they go, if they go out of their way to let's say learn a new language or to learn um, psychology or learn extra extracurricular things that could benefit them as a police okay. officer, I believe those officers should be incentivized to do so. Okay, well, listen, that I think I could probably agree with if with more discussion. But I just want to I want to give you a chance to to. To, to clarify so you don't get misquoted later, you're not suggesting that de-escalation training should be extracurricular. You think that should be a no, part no, no. of that's, training. That's, that, that is, I mean, that is a part of training. Is it the most effective? No, which is why I believe it needs to be more, it needs to be more robust. It needs to cover a lot more topics. And it should be more um, robust mandatorily, not extracurricular. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When I'm talking about extracurricular, I'm talking about things that'll make an officer better. For example, an officer that doesn't speak Spanish, you should be incentivized to learn to speak Spanish. And of course, you're going to have more preference because you're able to work with more demographics than someone who doesn't, for example. Um, learning, um, I don't know, lear learning, uh, learning multiple different things, anything that, that could benefit you as an officer, whether it's learning a specific martial art or a specific skill that makes you a, a better officer, I think you should be compensated and, and um, incentivized to do so. Um, right now, anybody can come fresh out of college and they could just be put on the police force. The police force is kind of, is, is really worn thin, is, is really worn thin, especially in a place like Patterson, where right now we currently have, we're, we're down 175 police officers from where we're normally supposed to be. In Patterson, there's supposed to be 23 squad cars at any given time. We've got eight. The homicide unit is down to 12 people. It's usually about 30 because they don't have the funding. And this is the type of stuff that Bill Pascrell pushes. This is the type of things that Governor well, who Murphy took away pushes the, for. Who so, but Bill Pascrell was not in charge of taking away that funding. The, no, the of governor, course he's not. You're saying the of governor course. was. 
Well, 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 the, well, the governor as well too, as well as a mayor. So they they all they all work hand in hand with one another. And when there's a problem within the city, they blame it on the police. The city that I live in is rife. It's always been rife with gangs. This is the most violent I've ever seen it. I've lived here for for 30 years of my life, and this is the worst, worst, worst the city's ever been. And when you don't have enough officers to handle these problems, you don't have enough homicide detectives to help clear these cases, and you don't have the funding and resources to crack down on these drug dealers because we know exactly where they are. We just don't have the resources. Is it a There's funding the- issue, though, or is it a recruitment issue? Because President Biden and, and the current administration, I know, has actually allocated more funding to cops and has asked for that to be a, a part of the upcoming Correct. infrastructure plan, Correct. too. None of so which- is it a recruiting issue or is it a funding issue? Funding issue, because how do you recruit with no money? This is also something that Bill Pascal has never advocated for. However, he did advocate to get several million dollars to build a brand new fire department and name it after himself. Not saying that we don't need a fire department. We do. But you, you were able to go and get millions of dollars for firefighters, some of okay, his biggest listen, owners. I get that you don't like him. That's fine. That's, I just want to know more about you and what you do like. So, so police funding. I mean, what are some of the other positions that you specifically feel you want to bring a, a, a real passion for to being a congressman. So one of the biggest issues that I that I see happening in the district is the horrible education system that we have. Um, I'm all for school choice, but I, I don't believe that school choice should supersede public schools. I believe that public schools' curriculum and their education should be a lot more robust. Um, I also realize that adding funding doesn't fix the problem. Um, we've got an overblown budget, uh, for example, here in Passaic County that doesn't get the children what we need. So what I believe is the, the best way to resolve this is we have so many kids graduating out of high school with no skills, yet they'll go into college and get caught up in debt. So my solution is working with bankers, IT companies, tradesmen, um, and several um, several trades companies to bring their skills to schools and teach our children how to do what they do. So the incentive for the business owner is they get some kind of tax incentive. The incentive for, the, I mean, the, the benefit for the student is they learn skills that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to get. And three, the school's curriculum gets gets uh, more robust and they're able to compete with other schools by having different programs that they would have otherwise not been able to have. By the time a kid graduates high school, they'll have skills that they could use whether they go inside or outside of college. Okay. I want to come back to that, but I want to quickly rewind a little further and get you to clarify what you mean by I support school choice, but I don't think it should detract from public schools. So, how, how do you feel? Like, clarify so that the reason me. why The reason why I say that is because I'm, I'm very big on school choice, but when I hear a lot of Republicans talk about school choice, their main focus is purely on school choice. But the thing is, we already have an infrastructure in place within our public school system. The solution shouldn't be just take away from public schools and go directly to school choice. The solution should be we already have an infrastructure. How do we make it better? Um, so that's what I mean when I say that I'm for school choice, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't um, invest in our public schools. How would you how would you implement school choice then? Is this a charter school thing? Is it an all public school thing? Is it a voucher type idea? What what's your position on vouchers and charter schools? Well, the, the, the vouchers, the, the vouchers and the charter school programs that we have, I believe the way they are right now is fine, and they they, they should work just the way that they do. Does New Jersey um, does tra- have a voucher program then? I don't know. I'm some asking. some some districts do, some don't. I know in Patterson they do have a voucher program where if you would like your child to go to the school, there's like a lottery that you go for, and then you can get those vouchers to put your children in those. Doesn't schools. Doesn't that take money away though from from public schools? 
Well, if the public, well, that's exactly why we need to make a more robust curriculum for our public schools. It's like we could, for example, we have a an, the head of the Board of Education in Patterson, for example, makes two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. They just had a report not too long ago where they were showing the types of food that the children were eating. They've got, and their 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 plan is to spend five million dollars to correct this food problem. This is a food problem they've had for decades. Millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars go into the school system, and we've got the lowest test scores. We've got the lowest graduation rate. Yet the executives are getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. So throwing money at the problem isn't going to resolve it. I mean, heck, if we go right up the road to Totowa, for example, their school budget is far less than ours. The kids have better school. They've got better graduation rates. They've got better scores. And they've got better everything overall. So Why? money is not the issue. I think it comes down to the way that the money is allocated and the way the money is used. There is a lot of corruption that happens in Patterson within Passaic County. So what can and congressman to- do about that, though? Isn't that a problem locally? Well, it is a problem that's it is a problem that's happening locally. But what I would like to what I would like to implement to make our schools better is by creating programs that allow for children to learn different trades as well. There's not because the only solution is just go to a charter school. To me, that's not a good enough solution. We need a reason for our public schools to do better. And in order for these businesses to want to work with these schools, the schools have to perform. So, as I listen to you, I mean, I'm I'm struck by two camps that have uh, that se- I don't think that they intentionally emerged in the Republican Party. I think there are two camps in the Democrat Party also. Um, the camp on the far left in the Democrat Party often gets more airtime, at least if you ask me, because I'm not in it. Um, <laughs> the camp that's on the far right of the Republican Party tends to get more um, airtime. Uh, the folks who are in their respective camps, but a little bit closer to the 50-yard line, get less. As I listen to you talk about um, school choice, but robust public schools still, um, about funding police and protecting the police forces, but making sure they're trained appropriately— I have. Do you consider yourself a moderate Republican? Do you consider yourself— what part of the Republican Party do you think you fit in today? I wouldn't even listen. I'm a Republican because I'm a conservative. I'm a Christian, and I believe in a lot of these values. If I were to, what are those values? Because that would imply to me that people who are Democrats are not Christian. No, that's not what I'm saying. No, that's not what you're saying. I said it's an implication, so I'm letting you clear it up. Right. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. Traditionally, a lot of Republicans tend to be deeply, deeply Christian. But if I were to define myself, if if I were to define myself, I would say more like outside of the the political parties, I would say I'd be more of a libertarian, more like Ron Paul and Rand Paul, I would say. Um, so that tells me that social, that at least tells me only based on those words, that socially you're more progressive and you want people to have freedoms and smaller government. But to have programs at the federal level would be sort of anti-libertarian, right? Libertarians would not want more of these programs from the federal level telling the state boards of education how they must spend their money. So that's not necessarily libertarian, is it? What types of programs? Well, I mean, you talked about you wanted there to be programs for kids who are, so kids can learn trades. So if, if as a congressman, you were to introduce legislation that required the state of New Jersey to allow, or the county of Passaic County to give kids um, more education in, in trade fields, that would be the federal government, or at least some people would claim, and you're always going to piss somebody off, um, no matter where you are. 
somebody would claim that's the federal government coming into Passaic County and telling us how to do our jobs. We don't want to provide trade uh, education. We want to do it this way. The federal government should stay out of it. Are libertarians in the right place? Are they running for the right offices if they are running for any sort of federal office with an idea to implement anything? I mean, well, I'm, well, like I said, I'm a, I'm a Republican. I'm registered as a Republican. In terms of values and beliefs, like I said, I'm a libertarian. Um, I don't see that as the federal government taking control. If Passaic County says something like, "Well, we think we're doing it right," the numbers state otherwise. And at this point, we're spending a lot of money in our public schools, and our public schools are failing. This is a solution that's being put on the table that can help bolster our public schools and give our kids, our children, an education that works. Because thus far, everything they've done for the past two decades has not worked. So who? Who should make those decisions? Should it be this, for education specifically or for police forces specifically? Should it be the city making the decisions about how they hire and spend their police, uh, their, their law enforcement money? Should it be counties that decide how they spend uh, school money? Should it be states that make these decisions? Should the U.S. government have more input on it? What do you, how, where do you stand there? No, of course it's up to the local governments, but when it gets to the point that it's starting to harm the welfare of the people, in this case, violent crime is up 72% in my city. It's the highest it's ever been. Not once has Bill Pascrell requested assistance from the FBI to help crack down on these people because we know exactly where they are. Not once has he requested funds to hire more police officers and get them the training necessary to clear this up. And not once has he requested assistance from the attorney general to look into the corruption, some of it that may be going in inside of our police departments and inside of our government on a county level. So a lot of the stuff is allowed to happen. Listen, I, I, I'm excited to hear how passionate you are about your home area. I can't say town because you got several towns in that district, you know, <laughs> um, so it's not just one, uh, but your home district. You said you've lived in that area, in that district or in that area for 30 plus years. Um, My and whole you're, life, yeah. You're only 32? 31. How, 31. 31. Um, well, about to be 32, yes. So, so pretty much your whole life. You lived there your whole life yeah. for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love how passionate you are about it, but why Congress is my question, because if all politics is local, why not run for a, uh, a seat on the city council or on the county board of That's whatever? That's a really good question. And that's a question that a lot of people ask me. And it's something that I've considered. But at the end of the day, you run for council and you're beholden to the, the mayor. And the mayor is, is looking to be the protege of my opponent. If I run as the mayor, the, the congressperson could easily cut off funds and make things difficult for me to yeah, even manage the Yeah, but the congressperson doesn't have any power over funding that comes to the county. They have one vote out of 535 votes, and they don't get to say, don't send money to my area. Correct. <laughs> so, well, correct. But hear me out. Correct. While, while, while that is correct, you also have to understand the influence and the power that he has in this city. He's, he's been in control of this city for almost 45 years. Almost all of the power that he gets is from D.C. So we could, it's easy to say, yeah, he's just one guy. And that's the typical, the typical answer that I hear. But at the end of the day, this guy's tentacles run deep. They run deep in, on, a, on a local level, not just in Patterson, but in Passaic and in Hudson County. So if we're ever going to fix any of the problems, and not just Patterson, because I know a lot of this conversation is focused on Patterson, but that's only because they're the largest population. But if we're going to fix any of the problems in the district, we have to remove the head of the snake and bring someone that's actually going to truly represent the people. Because right now, he's only benefiting himself and the people that are close to him. Can you tell me the 
you mentioned it very early or much earlier in the conversation, just kind of touched on it briefly. You said people are not used to seeing Republicans in the district, especially not Republicans who look like me. We're, we're talking to each other on video camera now, but this is a <laughs> podcast, so most folks won't, won't know. You're a black man who's a Republican that certainly gets attention, um, not just locally, but nationally. Yeah. Is there not a—I mean, there is certainly, I imagine we will agree, we can agree, that there is at the le- very least a stigma that the Republican Party is not as supportive of minorities as the Democrat Party. We can agree to disagree on that, but there's certainly that stigma nationally. How has that affected you, and how do you combat it in a pretty progressive area? It, it hasn't. It hasn't at all. Um, I understand the stigma you're talking about, but I would go as far as to say that that stigma is not true. Um, I've seen the Republican Party fail miserably um, with people of all races, um, even a lot of white people. So I don't think it's it's much of a racial kind of issue. There is a stigma, however, that people believe that Republicans are just a bunch of white racists. Um, I've met hundreds. I've I've probably lost count how many my, uh, of minorities that I've met within the Republican Party. When I said people feel a little bit interested or, or odd seeing someone like me is I'm 6'2", I'm 280 pounds, I'm a muscular guy, I'm African-American, and I've got dreadlocks, and I live in Patterson, New Jersey. Not only that, I live in the fourth ward of Patterson, New Jersey, the most dangerous ward in the city. Um, so for someone like me to show up at your door, for one, wow, I've never met a Republican that's running for office in this city, let alone a guy that looks like you who lives in a dangerous part of town. Um, right, but I, very, I'm not, I'm not, I certainly don't, don't, want you personally to defend Republicans from attacks that I have been the first to say on this show and many other places are unfair. I think it's just as unfair to claim that Republicans are racist, white people, as it is to claim that, as as it is for someone to claim that Democrats are socialist, communist, America haters. Yeah, that's, that's so crazy when people I think say it's, that. I think it's ridiculous on both sides. And I, I think Democrats have to remember um that, and I've said this many times too, more black men voted for Donald Trump than for any Republican uh, who's run for president in my lifetime, with the possible yeah. exception of maybe Ronald Reagan in 1980, but probably not even then. Um, I just didn't have the numbers for back there. More black <laughs> men have vo- voted for Donald Trump. Um, it's very difficult, I think, for for Democrats to. It's difficult for me to understand that um, as a, as a liberal who knew Donald Trump personally. I don't get it. So I'd love to hear you give me what you think is the reason that you think that 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 Donald Trump appealed to that demographic in a way that republic that uh, Republicans haven't been able to ever before. So there's there's several reasons why. And uh, with the statistic you're talking about, there were a lot more African-Americans that voted for him um, during his second term. And just to kind of put it out there, um, throughout my whole life, I was not a fan of Donald Trump. I didn't like Donald Trump. I never saw what the big deal <laughs> you with and Donald I just Trump switched was. places because I loved him until. <laughs> well. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't really a fan of the guy. Um, my father, however, was a big fan of Donald Trump. My parents are immigrants. They immigrated to this country in the the mid '80s, and uh, my father was a bus driver. He used to drive to Trump Taj Mahal in New Jersey all the time, and he looked at him as like the epitome of the American dream. And I never saw it that way. I just thought he was a rich guy I could never relate with. But there were a lot of policies that that he put forth that um, got me to see that. Listen, the, the the policies that I've seen the Democrats put forward don't benefit African-Americans, you know, whether it's abortion, which kills more African-American children than children that are 
than, than black on black violence right now, whether it's uh, propping up the welfare state without actually making our, our education system robust and giving opportunities, or even the opportunity zones, which was something that was done under President Trump. Um, he put forth the platinum plan, which were which was going to which is similar to the um, which is similar to the, uh, the the plan that I have to bring businesses into the inner city. It was for the first time I've seen a president say, hey, listen, we need to create uh, tax incentives and business incentives for people to invest in the inner cities where there are a lot of minorities. Um, when it came to funding the historically black colleges, the, uh, President Obama, he temporarily put something like that. President Trump permanently funded that. You know, And we could easily say, oh, well, he needed the black vote. In all honesty, he didn't necessarily need the black vote. He won without the black vote last time. Um, so and it he wasn't got even... more the second time than he did the first time. Listen, well, you're not going to get me to join you on the no, defending Donald to, Trump thing, but I. No. But for, from a factual standpoint, you are correct that he did have more votes his second time around. And but even his first time around, he had more votes from the from black voters than Republicans had in the past. So he well, had he had some level of appeal to people like your dad, even the first time he ran. Um, and even more the second time. And on top of that, in Hispanic communities, the most Hispanic districts in America are the most Hispanic populated districts in America are all represented by Republicans and all are districts that Donald Trump won in. So why is it that if the numbers show the same, show this information and you can see or, or you have the opinion or of the opinion that Donald Trump's policies or Republican policies in general are better, in your opinion, for uh, helping minorities. Why is it that Repu- that Democrats have not been able to, or Republicans, sorry, have not been able to convince the voter bases of the black community and the Hispanic community to, at large, to to agree that Republicans are best for them? How how. Is it a stigma of Donald Trump that that's causing so many voters to not vote Republican um, en masse? Almost mo- no. So what is it? Why why is the why is the argument so hard for Republicans to make to people of color? No, see, because one of the reasons one of the reasons why I also believe Donald Trump did quite well around, uh, amongst uh, the African American community is he tells it like it is. He was a very straightforward, very in your face kind of person, and he called it for what it was. Like for example, the immigration policy, which you know we could agree to disagree on. That. I think that was probably one of his best policies. In what with, uh, for, in what way? What part of his policy? Is is in for for one the the dreamers that were already here in the United States, he gave them the option: you guys can become American citizens, but you can't sponsor anybody into the country. I think that was one of the fairest things that he had for the dreamers. Versus, you're just going to be an indefinite dreamer under Barack Obama. Securing the border, but he didn't get any I, of that passed in Congress. Of course, he didn't because nobody wanted to pass it. I mean, this is we also were so he didn't with really Democrat. he really didn't get much done. He left what Obama had in well, place. Well, no, we can't we, we right? can't say that we, we can't say that. Like, well, proposed- I'm just talking about in that category. He didn't change right. the dreamers thing. He left what no, Obama had in not- place. And right, but but hang on, but hang on, but hang on. Let me finish speaking because I I didn't cut you off. It's like he, while that was his idea, it still comes down to Congress to actually make that decision. We were also dealing with a Democrat-controlled Congress. Literally everything, literally everything that Donald Trump wanted to, literally everything that Donald Trump wanted to do, the Democrats wouldn't allow it, or they would try and okay, fight against but, it. But during the entire immigration discussion, 
the whole part of the immigration discussion, the wall, the dreamer stuff, you weren't dealing with a Democratic Congress. You were dealing with a Republican Congress with with, with pretty substantial margins, actually. Kevin McCarthy, um, uh, sorry, Paul Ryan was Speaker of the House. Mitch McConnell was in charge of the Senate. Donald Trump was in charge. And and in those two years, that's when the Congress didn't support it. So who's who's leading who in that situation? Is it the party of Trump or is it the party of Mitch McConnell or what? It's, I would say it's the party of Mitch McConnell. And, the, and those kinds of Republicans, those are not the type of people that I consider um, straight up Republicans. These are people that I believe are in it for their own best interest and for their own personal so deals. So who rather today than who people. is in office, currently in office, would you consider a real Republican who's there to do the types of things you want to do? Um, there's not many. There's not many at the moment. Um, but we're deviating from my original point when, you were, when we were talking about No, you're about just not the, answering my question. you got to have somebody who you think is good. Well, Rand Paul, I believe, is good. Lauren Boebert, I believe, is good. Um, those are just a few that come to the top right now that I, that I, okay. that I really support and think they're doing a good job. Okay. Um, Your Craig original Cruz, point, then. My original point is when we were talking about the when we were talking about immigration, when we were saying some of the policies that I like, um, I believe that his policies made sense. The, the stay in Mexico policy before people come into the United States, I think, was a good idea. Um, my parents and it was my it was my mother actually that really got me to change my position. I, init- I initially thought that um, that building the wall and having people stay in Mexico was racist and all these things were were bad things. But my mother, um, she immigrated to this country. She also brought thirteen other of our relatives to this country. Every Every single one of them coming through the process legally. Um, they spent thousands of dollars over the course of 12 years to bring them all into this country. So, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even get myself in trouble here and say I think the motivation and the marketing, so to speak, around the wall probably was somewhat poorly motivated. But at the same time, I have always been one of the Democrats who just said, you know what, give him the damn wall as long as you get something else out of him that we want. I agree so, with you. So, you I mean, I, I don't want the wall. I think it would have been a res- irresponsible. I don't think it would have been a great symbol. I don't think it would have been a good use of money. But I don't think that the wall itself was a problem. And I think if you look constitutionally at the arguments on both sides of the stay in Mexico policy, it's less sensitive, certainly, but there are, there, there are arguments that reasonable people can disagree on. But... So much of what is presented in Congress from the White House, from the Senate, from the House, from on TV has become so colored by the red or the blue that very few people on either side of the aisle have any interest in even entertaining an idea if it came from the other side. So, you know, obviously Republicans have been against spending for decades, too much spending, too much spending. When, when Republicans were in charge, they spent more than any Congress had spent um, in the prior 20 years, and Democrats were against it. And now Republicans have flipped and are saying that they want to cut spending. You know, there's so much hypocrisy. How, how can you stop that? How are you able to, how would you want to, to turn down the volume, to turn down the temperature on constantly disagreeing with the other side just because politically it's expedient. 
So I don't even think I, I agree with you to a certain extent, but I also see the reasons as to why the spending was increased. Um, for example, the immigration situation, they'll say that building the wall was a waste of money. Right. They'll say that it's five billion dollars is a waste of money. Yet they vote to send billions of dollars to El Salvador. Listen, I'm not going to disagree. The, it was a waste of money, but I also wasn't as mad about spending money back then either. I think the only thing that saves me from being a hypocrite in that situation is I didn't lose my shit when so much money was spent under Republicans. <laughs> so now I'm not, no one can call me a hypocrite when I want to spend money as a Democrat. If I had lost my shit four years ago, then I wouldn't be allowed, in my opinion, to want to spend money now, right? So it's just the hypocrisy. And, and I try my best not to be a hypocrite, although we all do it at some times. So I guess my point is, I, I guess... What I'm saying, I watched your video, and then listening to you as we've talked here, I get a very different picture of you as we speak than I did from your video. When I watched what your— was the initial picture? Well, my, the, the initial image that I had before we started speaking today was, this is someone who's using a lot of buzzwords and catchphrases and carrying the American flag and talking about socialism and communism, which— yeah, they're great words to raise money from the Republican base in the same way that saying somebody is a fascist probably helps raise money for Democrats. But I don't use fascist, and I don't throw bombs on Republicans just because they might help me raise money. Do you really think that Democrats are trying to bring socialism to America? When I, when I hear you talk, I don't think that you do think that. But when I watch your ad, I felt attacked as a Democrat. Like, holy shit, he thinks I'm a communist. Well, no. But what I what I can say is I don't believe that all. So like you said earlier today, um, not all Democrats are are the way that you I don't remember what the analogy was you said before. But in the same way you said not all Republicans are racist. No, I don't necessarily agree with that. What I can say, though, on what is becoming more mainstream is similar to what you said earlier today. The far left is getting a lot more airplay than even the moderate Democrat. Bill, I believe Bill Clinton today, if Bill Clinton were to run as a, as a Democrat today, he would be considered a Republican or even considered far right at this point. Today's, today's average Democrat, which has become largely progressive and to the point where they're, they're pushing for, for socialist policies, Bill Clinton wouldn't even be considered that. Uh, freaking John F. Kennedy, for example. Well, John F. Kennedy would be a Republican today, but Eisenhower would oh, be. Oh, 100%. A, but, Eisenhower, so, so, but Eisenhower would be a Democrat and definitely Teddy Roosevelt would too. So, but I will, I will I'll just say this, it's a matter of perspective, because if you ask me, a moderate Democrat, I'm a progressive in a lot of policies, but I politically find myself to be very much a moderate Democrat. I agree with you. I think the far left gets way too much airplay. But if you were to talk to the producers of this show or lots of other Democrats who I know um, who are farther to the left than I am, they would tell you, Oh my God, the only people you ever hear talking about, the only people with power are Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of perspective because we always think that the side we disagree with is getting more airplay than we are. I'm sure right. you think that your opponent gets more press and airplay than you do. And I guarantee you, every time he hears you've done something, he's like, why the are they having that guy on such and such a TV station? So it's always a matter of perspective. I would disagree that the far well, left is the, is the basis of this. the Democrat Party now, though. 
Uh, uh, well, well, I, well. The reason why I would, the only reason why I would say that is a lot of them are being put front and center. And another thing I will say is, I this is at this point to me, it's a it's an undisputed fact. Um, a lot of outspoken conservatives are censored and even banned on social media. I myself get censored, shadow banned, and even cut off from my account several times. What are you times. outspoken about, though? Because I've spoken to you here, and you've felt moderately reasonable. <laughs> I mean, we're going to disagree, and that's fine. But you, but and are are there flames that you have thrown that have gotten you in trouble? And if sure. so, okay, what are they? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you one right now. The one that, that uh, most recently suspended my uh, Instagram account. I've got it back now. But my Instagram account was suspended, and, a, and one of the posts that I put was deleted because I made a post stating, and this is directly from, from the health department of New York City. This is not my statistic. It's not something that I created. But uh, African Americans between the ages of 18 and 44, only 28% of them have been vaccinated. So I made a post stating that um, 70% of African Americans are going to be cut out from even doing business in New York. And I, I made a quote stating that this is Jim Crow 2.0. And I had an infographic that broke it down. That post was deleted and it was shut down. Now, why would you use, I mean, listen, I'm in the Bill Maher Democrat camp on this. I think we all need to settle directly the fuck down on the canceling and the deleting and the censorship shit. Yes. So I'm with you. But why did you use a term like Jim Crow 2.0? Because I understand why, and I get what your point was, and I also don't think that you should have been deleted for that. But you did use a term that was specifically to raise hackles, right? I mean, you do that on purpose sometimes, no. right? No, I mean, I mean, I think that's the closest thing. It's but like Jim Crow, create- though. Jim Crow was specific. Were laws that were specifically put in place to target minority, well, to target black people in the South. Correct. Specific- and these laws. Do you think that those laws about vaccinations were specifically put in place to target black people, or do you think that they will have that effect these laws, unintentionally? These laws were- these laws were put in for one, yes, to have had that effect unintentionally, but these laws were put in place to go against people that chose not to get vaccinated and okay. had their own political, okay, but, political reasons. Okay, so but but there is a difference, right? So Jim Crow said, we don't want black kids in our schools. We don't want black people using our water fountains or our level of the movie theater or sitting at our, our lunch counters. Well, that's, that's the same that thing was, going on right. in New York. But in New York, the, the, descript, the, the definition is people who have chosen to not get vaccinated. Whether you, Is that you, appropriate? Yeah, but you didn't choose to be black. I didn't choose to be gay. That's different than the choice that someone makes to get vaccinated or not get vaccinated. Right. If, you don't cho- if you choose not to let your kids get vaccinated for measles and mumps, you can't send them to public schools in most states. So you still get the choice. But people in the South didn't get the choice. They didn't get to yeah, choose not to be black. So, you know, so is it yes, really the same? Um, yeah, because yeah, because now we're at a point. Now we're at a point where people's businesses, people's livelihoods are completely being destroyed. But it's from a choice. A but they're level. choosing that, right? They're choosing. No, no one chooses for their business to tank, right? When the government comes in and tells you that you have to make, you have to take a medical procedure because we tell you to do so, at the risk of losing your job and losing your livelihood. Then no, I a hundred percent don't agree with that at all. Right. So listen, I I will say I've kind of come to a place in my own life where I agree. People shouldn't be forced to take a vaccine. It's your choice if you want to take it and not take and it. And I'm not against the vaccine, I, I, by the I've way. I've been vaccinated. I've been fully vaccinated. And I advocate as many people getting vaccinated as possible. I've had family members who didn't get vaccinated who've died. Um, and so I'm very much pro-vaccine. But I'm also at the point, listen, it's been now almost a year since we've had these shots available. 
if people have still not agreed to take them, we're not going to change their minds. Let's shut the hell up about it. But I also do believe that every choice, that the government does require certain things from us. And we are required to put our seatbelts on. Now, is that, a, is that something that I should have to be told by the government to do to protect myself? Don't I have the freedom to not wear a seatbelt if I want to, you know, if I want to have a wreck and fly through the windshield? Isn't that my choice? Yeah, but the government has a responsibility to keep me out of the hospital because if I go to the emergency room, you and I have to pay for it, right? If, if my health care costs go up, we know how that, that goes. So... While I don't think it's necessarily, while I don't think it would be necessarily right for the government to require it to simply live, like you get a fine if you're not vaccinated, to go into a private area or to be able to run a business with over 100 people who, I mean, that's who that we're talking about here. It's not mandated for anyone else. The government hasn't well, New York, even, it's citywide. But the government hasn't even mandated that. I'm talking federally because you're running for yeah, federal yeah, office, correct. not I New was, York. But, yeah, so, the, but, the but they haven't was, mandated it for everyone. They've just said, listen, if you have a business with over 100 people, everyone has to be vaccinated or they have to take a test every week. I get to make that. I get to take that choice. You know, if I don't want to get vaccinated, then I just got to go through the test every week. It's still my choice, right? See, but the Constitution, the, the Constitution also has a separation of power and states' rights. The, the analogy that I was mentioning in that, in, that, um, in that post wasn't even related to federal issues. I was talking specifically about New York and using New York as an example because citywide, you can't do anything unless you show that card. You can't do anything at all. You, can go in, you, you can't go into a lot of public, rest, public restaurants, but if you owned a restaurant in New York and you wanted to let whoever you wanted in— Nope, you'd be allowed that's not to true. do that, no? That's not true. Oh, well, no, you'll see. be fine. You'll, you'll be fine, unfortunately. Okay, well then, you know, I need to read up more on that because if that's the yeah. case, then okay, maybe you have an argument. I don't know all the laws there. But, yeah, but, it's a bit messed up. But um, so because, you know, private, private in- industry, I'm, I've got a little libertarian streak in me as well on those things. But um, <laughs> not as much as yours, maybe. <laughs> Trust me, on all the other issues, I am definitely not. Um, <laughs> but uh, I do, I mean... I do think that that people get confused between what is personal choice and what is a government mandate, because outside of maybe New York City, these things aren't being mandated. They're certainly not being mandated from the federal level. And you hear people saying, well, my body, my choice. Well, it is your body. It is your choice. Go ahead. Choose not to get vaccinated. Go for it. If if the if the school system wants to require masks on kids, that's their case. That's their choice. And my position on that is, if you don't want masks to be required, then I think the school board should stop requiring pants and shirts too. Because, you know, hey, we are allowed to require certain things. You're not allowed to walk around with your bare ass out on the street because public decency. So if the government can require you to cover up your ass, they should be able to require you to cover up your mouth as well. If, if when it comes to the mask thing. Um, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree on that. But what I will say is well, tell me I, I why, do, then. why you the disagree why, on that, why you think it's okay to require people to cover their butts up, but not to cover their mouths up. Well, how it's different. Well, I, I think that really comes down to, I, I think that really comes down to decency. Yeah, but who decided um, that a butt was, on, uh, that a butt was vulgar, right? You people, you can walk down this, you go to any beach in New Jersey that you go to in the summertime, you're going to see most of those women's full asses on display with a thong, right? And yeah, hell, correct. half the guys too. So it's yeah, not indecent there. A school is not an appropriate place for that. 
Yeah, that's but that's a, isn't, that a, isn't that a personal choice, though? Some people think it's perfectly fine. Nudists would have no problem with it, right? So I guess my point is, if no. you're going to be fully libertarian, we got to be no, fully no. libertarian no, for no, everyone. No, 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 no. See, see, now the thing is with the mask, is they're telling us to put on this mask for, for health reasons, right? That's the reason why they're telling us to put on this mask. So the it's mask, okay to it's okay to require things for no, no, no. morality I'm not, I'm not with the mask. I'm not no. I'm not with the mask mandates. Let me finish my point. It's like they're telling us that this is for for health reasons, but you can see there, there's people that so long as they have even a mask with like the material used for Victoria's Secret or something sheer, you can still put that on and no one bats an eye. Listen, I think, I'm wear, not saying that it's not bullshit. I I hate wearing a mask. That's myself. my point. That's but my point. My, is but, they're but, mandating but, bullshit. But the difference. But that's not the that's not the legal argument. You don't get a legal argument of saying, you know, it's, it, it's not okay because that – the legal argument is you have to – is it okay for the government to, to require a covering over the face? And if – No. I okay, mean, but, so, back- but it is – so you're saying it is not okay for the government to require a covering of some kind from the nose to the chin, but it is okay for the government to require a covering on the buttocks. Absolutely, perfectly fine for the government to mandate that. But not this to mandate the, the face mask. The this is the most off the wall comparison that I've no, ever. No, I don't heard. understand how it is because because the difference because, is because you're saying that decency, you're saying yes. that that your moral standards judge allow that law to be to be valid. The fact that you are offended or someone is offended by looking at a bare butt. Children don't need to see that yeah, in school. Yeah, but that's your opinion, right? I mean, are you? Al- I've got a kid. What if no, I don't? My, what if I don't care? Of- what if I don't care? Well, it doesn't bother me if my kid sees butts at the beach or at the pool because, you know, he sees them all the time. And they see him. I'm, not, I'm not agreeing with this argument, but my point is it's very difficult to make it. You can't make a law based on someone's moral decency opinions because, the, because that's essentially the same as censoring your Instagram post. Someone was offended by it. It hurt their feelings. They were offended. No, it, was it was not Instagram. decent for you to say no, it Jim Crow. Like anybody, anybody it was that not questions. decent for you to use the term Jim Crow and it really offended my moral no, sensibilities. it wasn't even that. It wasn't even that because Jim Crow, Jim Crow wasn't mentioned in his speech. This is, this is a quote that I personally why used. Do you, why do you think people were offended by your Instagram post? I nobody agree they was, shouldn't have been. Nobody, nobody was offended. Somebody Instagram was offended. They took it down. Instagram. Instagram okay. themselves yeah, but somebody at Instagram looked at that and said, "This is offensive. We're taking it down." So someone well, was offended. All by I it. did was state. All I did was state facts. I'm not all saying did- it should have been offensive. I'm not really okay. saying that it is offensive. I'm the first person to say, "Just say what you want to say. Call me so a faggot if you want to. I don't care because it's a word. I know I'm fine. But I'm saying it's a word. I, offense is something we get to choose. You can choose to be yes. offended or you can choose to not be offended. I choose to not be offended. So, but someone was offended by that, and because no, they I, were, and because is, they were offended by it, they said others will be offended by it. I'm taking it down. That's not okay. But you're, I, I don't think it's okay for someone like, to censor your language because they happen to be somewhat offended. Well, that's by not it. the reasons why. It's like if I if I could get my point well, across. Well, you is, say it's the reasons anybody, why is because you're conservative. God forbid. But I can promise no, you that if no, I, said I haven't even, I haven't even said that yet. You're you're putting words in my mouth now. Almost everybody that I've seen that questions the official narrative of the COVID of the COVID nineteen either has their account shadow banned, has posts deleted, or they're completely censored from so social po- media. So politically, 
they're censored because they don't they don't hold and the I've correct seen this belief. To, right? I've seen this happen to I haven't I've seen this also not just happen to, to to Republicans. I've seen it happen to Democrats that question the official narrative as well too. So I wouldn't even say that it's a political thing. I think it's poss- it's possibly something much deeper than that. Eh, I'm not going to fall down that rabbit hole with you. It is a political thing in the sense that you don't have the correct opinion on this. You don't have. I'm not saying you. I'm saying someone. Someone does not have. I didn't. I didn't. You didn't hear me disagree and say it was a party thing. I said it was a political thing in the sense that someone does not have the correct opinion. They don't believe the same thing that Instagram believes as far as COVID language. They don't believe the same things as Instagram as far as what the CDC. They don't agree with the CDC. So therefore, they're censored because their opinion doesn't match the opinion of whoever Instagram's, whatever is running Instagram or whoever's at the CDC. So you're saying they're censored for that reason, right? Yes. Okay, so that's a political censorship. It doesn't have to be political party-based. It's political in the sense that it's based on someone's opinions and their feelings. I don't believe that is right. I've never believed that's right. I believe we should all be able to say and hear what we want, and we should just be empowered— to combat inaccurate facts or in alternative facts or disinformation, we should be empowered to combat it with facts, and we should be more empowered to do that. I don't think we should silence everyone. But my point is, too often we have decided what we believe before we even show up <laughs> to the debate or before we even listen to the arguments. And I think that when it comes to the mask debate, people who have decided this is the government mandating something that they have no right to, de- to mandate without thinking about the fact that, well, wait a second, they do have the power to mandate a lot of other things. So yes, they probably are legally allowed to mandate this, whether it's the vaccine thing where they say, I shouldn't have to get a vaccine and you shouldn't require it for me to do X, Y, and Z. But those same people accept the fact that for the past 40 years, certain vaccines have been required in schools. But we have made up our minds on this particular thing. We've made up our minds on immigration. We've made up our minds on on vaccines. We've made up our minds on Afghanistan, on all these issues. Everyone's made up their mind. With the the vaccine, why I believe there's a lot of pushback is because, and I've met lots of people that have taken vaccines. I don't even think it's so much the fact that the government is is mandating a vaccine. It's typically... Typically, the average vaccine goes between eight to 10 years of studies before it's put out into the mass market. This thing was rushed in under two years. And, and the same people, okay, fair. It was also rushed under Donald Trump. And the same yeah, people, and the, too, sa- yeah. and the same people, the same people who are furious about the vaccines were the same people who were cheering when Donald Trump passed Right to Try, which was specifically geared towards making sure that these testing windows were shortened for people who needed vaccines in an needed medications in an emergency the fact that Donald Trump well not only that but it was also people that were in that were in dire health circumstances well, where well the world has were. been in a dire health circumstance for the past year and a half I mean COVID was yes, killing but people then again, it was an emergency again, Republicans yes. decided to fast track it yes but then again but then again hang on but then again the narrative on this vaccine has changed multiple times initially they told us that this thing came from bat soup now there's no there's no official narrative as to where this thing came from we now find that dr fauci was was a part of the gain of function research in wuhan so the story has changed multiple um, we times, haven't so. found that 
specifically that he was part of the gain of function research point, in the Wuhan. Point that I'm making, the point that I'm making, the point that I'm making is the narrative has changed so many times with this with this vaccine, and that's one of the things that I that like me personally am not a big fan of Donald Trump on is fast tracking with Operation Warp Speed. Is you're now getting the government involved to say, hey, you need to put something in your body that's been here for less than t than less than two years because we say so. I don't agree with and that. And at no point, if people want to do at it. At no point do it, in that process has anyone been required. By by a government to take it. Correct. You You'll lose your have, job and your livelihood. You'll you, lose your job and your livelihood if you don't. You still so have a So you're kind of coerced. It's either put food on the table or take the vaccine. You lose your job and your livelihood if you don't go to college, but it's not required. You get that's more, not true at all. That's, that's a completely different comparison. You if you get, don't take but, that but, vaccine, but I'm saying we all get a choice. You get the opportunity to make a choice yeah, about how case, to you improve your life. You yeah, want to get a better case, job and a better paycheck? Case, you go to you go to community in this college. Case, for you don't necessarily, in this case, you don't necessarily have a choice. If you've got family, and and I know lots and lots and lots of people that have lost their jobs, lost their livelihoods. I also know people that have taken this vaccine that have permanent neurological damage. I know people that have taken the vaccine and died. I know and people of course, that Nick, it, Nicki Minaj's. Um uh, sorry, Cardi that, B's cousin. Hang on, balls let's, got hang on, let's not shift subjects. <laughs> I know, I know people that have, I know people that have taken it have been perfectly fine as well too. The problem now is we've got the government saying that if you don't do this, you lose your job. That, the same you, that is that, hyperbole, the, though, Billy. That's what drives me crazy because the government has never said it's okay to have a debate with facts, but when we turn the arguments into hyperbole, that extrapolate what was said into in something that wasn't Jersey, said. Example, at no point did Jersey, the government say, if you don't take this, you will lose your livelihood. Yes, they have. In the state of New Jersey, in the state of New Jersey right now, for example, if you are not vaccinated by October 1st, right, if you work in any public service, whether that's EMS, your teacher, firefighter, police department, or police officer, you'll lose your job. In the military right now, federally. And that's a I choice. Know people, you and, won't have that job, but there are other jobs available. The, the hiring... People are looking now, for folks it. to work. Now, you see, the thing that that's that's the problem that I have with it is now you're not just affecting that person that's taking that 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 chooses to or not take that vaccine. You're not just affecting that person. You're affecting their entire family and the people that depend on them. So you're literally coercing somebody to do something against their will. And if you don't, then, hey, tough shit. You lose it all. You I don't, don't lose it all that. because there are lots of people who are hiring and there are other opportunities and you have a choice coercion or forced vaccination would be the government fining someone or punishing someone who did not get vaccinated. Yeah, they're losing not your job doing is a punishment. That. Losing your job is a punishment. But if you were if if you are if you are a private employer, you get to make the choice as to whether or not you want to hire or fire someone who works for right. you. Right. But now if you something get to happens to that. that person, but if something happens to that person, let's say like like one of my friends who now has who has permanent neurological damage, they can't sue that person. They can't sue that business. They, they can't even sue the manufacturer of the vaccine. They but don't they, have but because they wanted you to keep that job, if, you have so to you take think, it. So you think that the public service employees who who work for the state of New Jersey should not be required that, that the state of New Jersey as an employer should not have the same rights as as a private employer has to hire and fire and choose requirements for how, how the people who work for them at the same in the same way that the person who owns the the restaurant or the store on the corner can the person even who owns members, that store can even, choose who they want to hire but it sounds like you're upset with the state of New Jersey for making a requirement to work there Yes, but not even just that, but even in the White House right now and, and members of Congress and the Senate, they're not required to take that vaccine. But for the common folk like you and I, we are. I'm not required not, to take shit. 
Well, you, you're, well, you're obviously self-employed, I'm assuming. I'm assuming you run I'm this. I'm self-employed, but if I weren't self-employed, if I were working at the food line down the street and they required me to take it and I did not want to take it, I have two choices. One, take it and stay at Food Lion, or two, don't take it and go get a different job. I okay, have a and choice. If happen- and if something happens to you because your boss required it, then what? Wait a second. My boss didn't require it because I ch- I made the choice as to whether or not I was going to take it. He's not responsible. I chose. I he's chose not responsible. to take it. He's not responsible, but he's making a medical determination no, for you. No, he's there. not. No, he's not. He's making an employment determination for him. At his place of business, he only wants people who are there who have been vaccinated. I get to choose. I get to choose. Do I want to be someone who works at this particular food lion or not? And if I choose yes, I know what the requirements are. If you apply for any job, there's a list of requirements. You have to have a master's degree. You have to have a bachelor's degree. You have to have six years of of work experience. If you don't meet those requirements, you don't go. You have to have CPR training. If you want the job, you go get CPR training. These are new requirements. These are new requirements that are being pushed on the people, though. They're be- that's fine, but employer no, employer employers have the right. That's the Constitution. No, that point. If you can find the clause in the Constitution where something has been violated because employers, private employees, private employers have changed the requirements for the jobs that they are paying people to do, if you can find the clause where that is, then I will donate I will max out to your campaign. <laughs> no, what I'm saying no, is- No, no, I'm con- waiting. I would love to hear the clause. There is, I cannot stand it when people throw the Constitution back if they don't know what they're talking about. There's nothing in the Constitution that requires, that, that tells a private employer who they can and cannot hire. The, no, only, requi- not- the only requirements in the, that the Constitution places on those are, does not allow people to discriminate based on race, um, the 13th Amendment. But other than that, Private employers get to do what? And you know what's crazy is Republicans believe that. Republicans have always been the party that says private employers should get to do what they want to do. Private employers should have that power. And if a private employer at Food Lion says that he wants everyone who works for him to be vaccinated, Republicans have always historically said, that's a job creator. That's a business owner. He gets to do what he wants listen, to do. I'm not, listen, but you I'm don't not want that to be the case. No, that's not what I'm saying. Listen, I'm not against any business owner for wanting to do that. What I'm saying is that if a business owner is going to do that and the government is now mandating that people do that, I believe that's wrong. I don't think that's appropriate. The government is mandating it in companies where there are more than 100 employees and the mandate very specifically states – you still don't have to get the vaccine. If you have more than 100 employees at your company, either they have to be vaccinated or they have to be tested once a week. So now that food line with more than 100 employees, I now have three choices. Get another job, get the vaccine, or get tested once a week. I'm not required to get the vaccine and I still get to keep the job. So where has the government forced me to take the vaccine? Because right now, no, I'm not saying that, that they're forcing. It's like you, have a, you now have a medical procedure that people are going to have to go through routinely every single day just to even live a normal life. And even to this day, and even to this How day, we that, still— what, what, go, to, go routinely every single day, a medical routine that people have to go through every single day. What is that routine they have to go through every single day? Well, I'm saying every day I'm talking about in terms of the week. I'm talking about the taking okay. the test. But it's, don't don't employers have the right to make people give a, to make employees take a drug test whenever they want them to? We've said sure, that's absolutely. okay. Okay, sure, so absolutely. why can't those employers be required? Does that is that a medic? That's a medical routine they have to go through. Because now it's being mandated by government now. 
Republicans are the ones who wanted to mandate drug tests in order to to collect welfare. I don't welfare. agree with that. I don't agree with that. So don't 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 throw me in that category. I know, I don't but agree my, but my point is my point is it is a private employer's choice to do what they want to do. Correct. But okay. The, the, the so issue the, so that the private have, the issue that I have the issue that I have with it is now the government is requiring that. That is the issue that I have with that. The, government the, government never got a, the government's not requiring the vaccine. The government is simply requiring that if you haven't vaccinated them, and you, the have more, you have to take a test. Here's That's the thing, my Billy. Point. You That's don't want to be happy. With anything, if you were told no, no. you had to take the vaccine, not, you'd have an that, argument. That's not true at all. If you now were you're told putting words you... in my mouth. Now you're putting words in my mouth. That's that's not what I said at all. The issue that no, I have you, because, here... you, because the entire first part of this argument, you were upset with the fact that people had to get the vaccine or else they'd lose their livelihoods. But Correct. as soon as I said, "Wait a second, oh no, there's a third option. You don't have to get the vaccine, and you can still keep your job." By the way. Yes, you but just this have to get a test now. You don't like that. Government. So this if the government issue. came back and said, "Okay, you have to get a man. You don't have to get the vaccine, and you have to get tested once a month." Oh, that's still too much. The no, because the issue that I have is now you've got the government mandating how businesses should be ran. I don't agree with that. So you don't think that the government has the authority to make sure that kids are vaccinated in schools either? No. I don't. Okay. If a parent, and, and like you said, and like you said, if a parent doesn't want their kid to go to those schools, they can homeschool or go to a private school if they choose to do so. Like you said, the issue okay, that so, I have, so, so, the so issue that I that there are choices saying, available. The issue, the issue, the issue that I have, the issue that I have is now the government is is mandating this. It's either you take the vaccine if you don't want to take the vaccine. So we also, but, so you're also against seatbelt mandates. I'm assuming. Motorcycle seatbelt mandates because seat every state except for New Hampshire requires that you the state law requires that you wear seatbelt. No, that's only that's for your a, that's, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not against that. Why not? If you don't wear if you don't wear a seatbelt, you get fined. You don't lose no, your job. You get fined. That's worse. Sometimes you can go to jail if you, you can lose your license. Instead, you know, if you lose your license, you lose your job because you can't get to work. What about some motorcycle yeah, helmets? Those shouldn't be required either, right? The government has no business telling me what I can and cannot do at all, right? Ever. I wouldn't say that. Okay, well, say but, that. so where's the line? Because sometimes my government tells me I can't water my lawn on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That seems like an impingement on my freedom, if you ask me. I think that's stupid. Is that really a law where you live? Of course it is. It's a law in most places during the summer when there's a drought. I've never heard that ever in my life. Okay. Most places, <laughs> maybe not in New Jersey, maybe you, you don't water lawns as much as people do elsewhere, but there's lots of mandates. The government has uh, the ability to make certain mandates in order— to protect yeah, the greater aren't, good. Mandates aren't, mandates aren't laws. Mandates aren't laws. They are laws because if you water your lawn on the wrong day, you get a fine. If you park in the wrong spot of the street, you get a ticket. Yeah, if that's you an drive, ordinance. It's not a law. I'm sorry, what? That's an ordinance, not a law. Do you get a fine for it? Yes, but that an doesn't make it a law. Okay, it is a law. The difference between a law and an ordinance is only based on the jurisdiction that it covers. Ordinances are in cities. Laws are in states and federally. So it's still a law. It's just a city law. Um, and so it has a different word. It is still against the law to park in the wrong spot. You still get a ticket. Um, there are lots of things we can't do and can do. So I, I got I to move on. I'm totally going to get killed and, and fired here if I don't move on to some listener questions, and I want to, but I'm fascinated with this discussion. Um, e Erica, I'm going to try to get to the ones that came in from New Jersey, if I can find them. Erica from Newark, so not too far for you, from you, which is the bigger threat to the country, endless wars for liberty or democratic socialism? Endless wars for liberty or, dem or democratic socialism? Yeah. I, well, democratic socialism is, that's a, I would say that's a buzzword. I would say socialism is. Socialism is a bigger threat than endless wars? 
Oh, endless. No, she said endless, endless wars for liberty. Yeah. Endless so when wars so, for liberty. I guess she's saying so endless on. wars or socialism. If she's saying, if she's saying endless wars, I would say both are equally a, are, are equally a big threat. If she's talking about endless wars for liberty, like people that are fighting for freedom, then no, I don't see that as a threat at all. But if you're talking about like endless wars as like us going into Afghanistan and I'm plugging gonna our assume, nose. I'm going to assume that's what okay, she means because I agree with you because about, people should be able to fight for freedom. Um, I'm assuming she's talking about endless wars like, yeah, you know, in general, like Afghanistan. Right. Yeah. That, on that note, I would say they're both equally very destructive. Okay. Um, Wilmington, Delaware, not too far. Um, who are your political heroes? Oh, Sally, or Bailey, sorry. My eyes are bad tonight. Bailey from Nash, from Wilmington, Delaware. Who are your political heroes? Uh, Ron Paul. Ron Paul, not Rand. Rand Paul's all right, but he's not like his father. Ron Paul. Yeah, for sure. Certainly. Ron Paul's, Ron Paul's the man that... Um, that first, uh, that when I when I was going through my political journey, because um, I used to be very Democrat before I came into um, uh, a lot of Ron Paul's policies. I didn't know about libertarianism. I didn't know about fiscal policy, Keynesian economics, and Austrian economics, or even the Federal Reserve Bank. A lot of these things I learned um, from Ron Paul. He's one of the first people that got me to question the war. Um, while I was in the military, um, I was in the United States Air Force um, serving overseas um, during some of the time that I started looking into Ron Paul and understanding a lot more about um, why we're in these wars in the first place. Um, so, yeah, I would say what do you Ron think Paul he would sure. think? What do you think Ron Paul would say about um, the bigger threat, endless wars or democratic socialism? I think he would say democratic socialism. But I think they would they would both be equally bad because he was very much for fiscal responsibility and he was extremely against endless wars. So both, I would say. Okay, I'm going to end with this one. Jared from Phoenix, Arizona, because I, I think this is a fascinating one to wrap up. What was the biggest lesson you learned from your last race? The biggest lesson that I learned is that money is not as important as it is reaching the people. Well, God bless you for that. Because I focused the first portion of my race, I focused on we got to raise money, we got to raise money, we got to raise money. But um, halfway towards my race, um, we raised almost nothing. Um, It wasn't until I was on the Tim Pool show and then we raised about $20,000 and that came at the very last month or so um, before the race. But up until that point, we we did a lot of meet and greets. We met with people, we knocked doors and... um, when we met people, people can sense that genuine um, character in you, and people are more willing to help and give resources in that case than just money. I think we get way too caught up in the money in politics, and I think that's why nothing ever gets done. Do you think we should limit the amount of money that people are able to spend in politics for political campaigns? I don't think that makes a difference. I mean, if somebody wanted to give what I what I would say, I think the way that that it is right now is good where there's limits on how much for example, you can't max out more than 5800 per per person. Um, that's before primary and general. I think that's fine because if one corporation wanted to just give you a million dollars, then you're owned by that corporation. So Right, but if I that corporation probably, gives it to a super PAC, they can give as much as they want to, right? And they can just still no, run ads. Even, even, even super PACs are limited. Um, super PACs can spend their money however they want on behalf of the candidate. PACs are um, limited. PACs are limited. Super PACs are not. Um, to some degree, they are. To some degree, they are. At the uh, end of the day, I'm gonna let you go check back in on that on your own. But packs, packs, the ones like the APAC and the ones that we all hear about the most are certainly limited. Um, but the, but the super PAC, that special Citizens United version of of packs, are able to spend as much money as they want and get it from whoever they want because there's no reporting 
to be done whatsoever. They can spend, they can, someone can donate a million dollars and they don't have to report whatsoever um, who gave them the money. So there are no limits. Do you think that dark money is, a, is something we should get rid of? Um, of course, I believe that there should be limits on on um, on all types of donations, like we kind of like we currently have right now. Um, but even like I said, at the end of the day, uh, my biggest focus on this race is while money does help. Um, I've also learned that money isn't the be all and end all, and people could see right through that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you can give money to a candidate, and at the end of the day, that candidate does nothing for you. Um, people are willing to to help and help uh, promote candidates um, just based on their their values as it is. Well, so, yeah. I will give you I will say this. I I it's, I enjoy talking to you and we've had I candidates we've had candidates on here before um who I found I agreed with on policy more but didn't trust as much. I disagree with you on quite a bit of policy but I I will say that you don't strike me as as near as much of a bullshitter as other people who no, um, no run for Congress, and I and I respect that. I would disagree with how you voted, but I'd, I'd probably That's fine. trust that you were going to do what you said, even though I wouldn't want you to. Um, but I would I would trust that. So I, I I respect that, and I appreciate the fact that you know you you put up a, a nice little fight here. I, I think nah, people we'll should fight. go check out your, um, your website, Billy Prempa. Say your name, last name for us though. Cause so I, Prempa. Uh, Prempa. 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 Okay. So yeah. I thought I did have it right, but it's spelled yeah, it a little right. interestingly. It'll be in our show notes. B-I-L-L-Y-P-R-E-M-P-E-H.com. We'll make sure that that's in the show notes. Um, but so you're, you're, you're going into your second bout with your opponent, whose name I'm not saying you, you say all the time, but out of respect, I don't ever say the candidate's opponent's name when we talk um, to them, because uh, I know I didn't want people saying my opponent's name. Um, you're going into now, your where second— Where did you run? Just out, of, just out of curiosity, where did you run? Uh, second district in North Carolina. Um, North Carolina, is, second district. It, it, well, if you found a map of it today, it wouldn't look like it looked in 2018. It doesn't look like it looked in 2016 or 2014, because we've had to redraw our maps every two years here in North Carolina for the last oh, eight really? years. Oh, really? It's every 10 years in New Jersey. No, well, it's every 10 years in North Carolina, too, but they were so gerrymandered that courts continued to strike them down. Uh, so gotcha. um, it was gotcha, a very gotcha. different gotcha. iteration of the second district. The second district is now actually gerrymandered to be pretty blue. I ran at a, de- a very different time. Um, nevertheless, uh, the Are you ninth- again? Oh hell no! <laughs> this is what this is more this is more enjoyable to me. So I have I have a lot of respect for someone who will go back into that fire, even if they're fighting um, for things that I may not agree with. I respect somebody who'll go back into it. Um, the ninth district in New Jersey, Billy Prempa. Um, check him out. Like I said, on his website, uh, you can follow him. How, how do people follow you on Twitter? They can, uh, tw- they, on Twitter. They just it's just my name, Billy Prempa. I'm more prevalent on Instagram. My Instagram unless is he gets guy. banned. Yeah, yeah, that's why they, it, it happens. But some but, guy named Bill is my Instagram. Some guy named Bill on Instagram. Second time around, if you make it there, you're going to be walking into a Congress where that's incredibly divided. Billy, how the heck are we going to get along? I think we, I think we do get along. I think you and I get along just fine. We may disagree, but uh, on, I don't think we disagree on everything. But for the most part, I think it really comes down to meeting in the middle, and I think that's what has to happen in Congress. It's, you have to represent people from all sides and, and find the common ground and do what's right for the people. At the end of the day, 